HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Copper and Kings, pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. For more information, visit copperandkings.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. To all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, February 3rd. This is the 94th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind the scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is one of my favorite guys in the industry, and he's a pizza legend based here in Brooklyn. I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I'll start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to know that it's never too late. No, it's never too late to begin again, or to go in another direction, or say you're sorry, or just be a better person. It's your life. Live it as you please. And remember, it's better late than never. That's my tip today. Now I'm excited. My guest here is Paul Giannone, better known as Polly G of Polly G's, a gourmet pizzeria in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, which has received numerous accolades as the best pizza from publications including Series Eats, Zagat, and Time Out New York. Polly is an IT guy turned pizza master and one of the most charismatic and beloved pizziolo. So welcome, Polly G. Well, thank you, Sherry. You sure you were talking about me there? That didn't, that didn't I was sound. absolutely talking about you. You are one of my favorites, and you just you bring a smile to my face, and I think your success and everything you've done at Polly G's is incredible and well-deserved, and um, I'm excited to have you here. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I couldn't help but notice that that tip that you gave seemed to uh, maybe have something to do with me being on the show. You think? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I've said this before on my show. I, you know, I come up with a tip every week, and I usually 
think about my guests and their life. And definitely this tip was inspired by you because um, you are an IT guy that late in your career decided that you wanted to open your own pizza place. So I know a bit about your background, but I don't know if all my listeners do. So why don't you, why don't we start with your story and how you came to that decision to um, leave your job? Well, I, I selected a career that uh, I did for a very long time, but uh, I selected it because of its income potential and not its alignment with my my talents and passions. Uh, I did it for a long time. I, you know, I, I fed my family. I kept a roof over their head. But I always felt like there was something else out there that I should be doing. Um, you know, because first of all, I was working for someone else. And when you're working for someone else, you're working for someone else's dreams. Um, the... The effort you put into things, you're not really seeing the results other than, you know, the monetary rewards that then you have to carve out time to, you know, take advantage of. Um, and I just, I didn't really have that, you know, much of a talent for it. So I just kept on, you know, thinking about doing something. And I love to cook. My friends always uh, encouraged me to uh, open up a restaurant. I'd invite them over to the house just so I could cook for them and, and play music for them and, you know, have great conversations. And I always told them that uh, I really was not interested in opening up a restaurant because it just seemed too complicated, made my head spin, and I'd be, you know, in a city where the greatest chefs in the world are, and I would, you know, I'd be a very small fish in a very big pond. Uh, but I had to do something because... Um, my career wasn't, you know, leading me down a great path. And eventually I just, I, I saw that although pizza was like a restaurant, it was far more simple. And it kind of emboldened me and allowed me to think, well, maybe that's something I could do. And it, it allowed me to be willing to take the risk. And because I started to realize the real risk was continuing to do what I was doing. So how did you learn to make pizza? Now, I, I had never made pizza in my life until I decided I wanted to open up a place. And I had seen and, and talked to a couple of people about building a pizza oven uh, at home. And I started pursuing that. I found some free plans online at fornobravo.com. And I enlisted the uh, help uh, of a friend who had a real passion for masonry. And I built this oven in the fall of 2007. And I started, you know, proving to myself, first of all, that I could actually make pizza in a wood-fired oven. And I started experimenting and, uh, you know, and practicing. I did that for a couple of years. I, um, I invited friends and family over and uh, got their opinions. Eventually, I got to the point where I thought my, my pizza was good enough where some of my pizza enthusiast friends uh, would, uh, would like it. And I, I got them to invite themselves to my house to come and try it and uh, they'd go back and um, you know write in their blogs about it and it was always a very positive experience for them because I was getting them drunk and feeding them for free. Yes well I I guess I picked up on you or we we connected on social media I, I believe that's how we met if I think back. And I, I believe how we met is that I was thinking that I needed to spend a whole lot of money <laughs> on a publicist and uh, I started exploring that avenue and I, and I met you and eventually I realized that I had to do it you know a little DIY, and I, I was already spending time on social media publicizing myself and um, I kind of thought now nah, I could do this myself. Well 
you know, I, well, I got through that. I, I was lucky to get invited out to your house and have the experience of having your pizza from your backyard. And I was sold. I I did want to work with you. And now I joke that you should do my PR because you, <laughs> you've gotten more press um, than, than anyone because I think you're such an authentic brand and have a great story and make a, a damn good pie. Um, so... I remember also we we came out here the first time I came to Roberta's was was with you. You said you wanted to show me Roberta's and you wanted to show me Motorino. And um, I'm thinking this is like 2010. Is that when you no? When you it was, that must have been 2009. 2009? Yeah. Because I'm trying to remember Heritage. Jack, are you there? Heritage. Uh, you guys I'm opened here. in um, 09, April, right? April 2009. You got it. It's like I remember the space and going to the backyard and seeing the little roof, uh, the the garden they had in the roof. But um, yeah, and there was yeah. a Mercedes Benz out there. There but sure I don't was, think, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think the radio station was. No. Uh, yeah, we were here April oh, April two thousand nine. Yep. Okay. Well, passed on by, but it's just you know full circle now that we're back here, and um, yeah, no, you were talking about the project, and then you you found your location in Greenpoint. So why did you decide to open in Greenpoint, especially since you lived in Jersey? I mean, what, Well, at first you know? I was going to open in New Jersey. And I just, um, because it would have, I would have been able to do this while keeping my job, perhaps. I was trying to figure out how I could do this without taking too much of a financial risk. But Brooklyn just kept on pulling me back. Um, I didn't think I could. And, and eventually a, a good friend of mine said, you know, you if, if you're going to have investors, which I was going to need some investors, they're going to want to know that you're focusing on things 100% of the time. And, you know, they wouldn't mind if you take, you're taking extra money in salary so you don't have to worry about having a job and getting the restaurant off the ground. And that kind of opened up things for me. And I really, I was enamored with, with North Brooklyn. Um, when we left Brooklyn in 1983 to live out in the woods, we live in a beautiful place. But um, I thought we were leaving Brooklyn behind. But as I kept on coming back and, and seeing Williamsburg in particular, I really felt like Brooklyn was now leaving me behind. I felt that I couldn't get back there, but I had to find a way. Um, I looked at Williamsburg. I loved it there. But there were other people there. One of the things that I did along the way is I picked the brains of anybody I knew who was doing the kind of thing that I was doing. Uh, Motorino and Fornino were two of the places uh, that I went to and talked with the owners, and they were encouraging to me. I couldn't see opening up near them, uh, so I started looking in other areas. I, I, I looked in Park Slope, and I just wasn't feeling it. But um, I thought, well, I need to find... I looked at what Roberta's did. There was no more of a great inspiration to me than Roberta's. I wanted to be like this place. I love what they did here. They took a, an old dumpy garage. They didn't do much to it. And they created a place that was very, very special. You walked in and you felt you were someplace where everybody wanted to be. And I, I, I saw that and uh, I said, well, maybe I could find another neighborhood. Roberta's kind of moved out in this direction and opened up. Maybe I could find another neighborhood. So I said, well, let me check out Greenpoint. I went up to um, Manhattan Avenue. I looked around. I was looking for Bedford and North 7th and bicycles and, and all the kind of people you see hanging out there. I really didn't see them. And eventually I talked to people. I said, um, those people I see in, in, in Williamsburg over at Bedford and North 7th, they in Greenpoint too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, sure they are. are. you sure? Absolutely. I said, they got bicycles? Oh, they got bicycles, he told me. <laughs> so then I started looking in Greenpoint, and I, I made some appointments to talk to realtors, and I went to a couple of places on Franklin Street near Greenpoint Avenue, 
and it was Good Friday in 2009, and I knew I was home. I said that this. I saw that there was something happening there. There were a bunch of bars. There was there was a buzz in that intersection, and I wanted to be part of that. And I saw that nobody else was doing what I was doing there, and there was a, there was a, a a void to be filled. Yeah, and you found a great space. It has a a, a rustic, authentic feel. I mean, you did, as you said, it was a do-it-yourself project. I mean, did you design it yourself? Well, no. Fortunately. <laughs> um, I um, I needed to buy some um, mismatched chairs that I wanted to put in the space. First of all, when I found the space, it was anything but a rustic barn. It was a very it had been a very modern restaurant, and um, I thought you know mismatched chairs would would uh, be a good thing to have. And when I uh, went to this place, uh, Builded Green in Astoria, to to get some of those chairs on their website, it says check out. Um, the Manhattan Inn. It's built almost exclusively with materials from Builded Green. And I went there one night and I, I spoke with the owner about uh, the guys who did it. And she said, oh, one of them's here tonight. As a matter of fact, he works here. Um, these guys, they happen to, when they build a restaurant, they like to make sure that it gets off the ground well. And they, they usually work there for a little while. I got to meet uh, Evan Hasselgrave. And um, we talked for a little while. He seemed to be excited about working with me. He came to the space with his brother, Oliver. And they looked around licking their chops. I really only hired them to build my tables because I didn't think I could afford them. But eventually they came in with all their equipment. And, you know, it was the dead of winter. They weren't leaving until they got that whole place built for me. And little by little, they chipped away at me. And and thank God I just let them do that and got out of their way. And I just said, build me a pizzeria. They did a fantastic job. What about your oven? Where did that come from? The, the oven was built in Naples and shipped over here. At first, I built uh, a, the oven at home, and I, I put a design on it. Uh, I, I didn't want it to look like an Italian oven, but I wanted it to represent Italy and the region where the pe- pizza that I was making came from. So I, uh, I wrote Napoli on it, and there was a sun and lemons, which is two of the things that you're going to find in Naples. Um, and when I decided to open up the restaurant... I said, you know what, I'm not going to try to build my own oven for the restaurant. I'm going to buy the best oven I can find. And I discovered Stefano Ferrara, and I had him build the oven. I sent him pictures of my oven at home. I asked him to replicate it as much as possible. So now that design that uh, was on my oven at home, you'll see in my, my oven in Greenpoint, as well as ovens that um, there's one in Columbus, Ohio now. There are two in Baltimore that are about to uh, be put to good use. There's... There's another one in Miami, uh, and there are two in Chicago, and uh, hopefully they'll all be fired up very soon. Yeah, I I want to find out about all these um, these new locations you're doing. Maybe we'll talk a little more about that after the break. Um, just before the break, how about a little more about um, like your pizza style? And you've come up with a a lot of cool, fun names. What do you have? Uh, arugula, schmugula, and like what? I mean, you keep it fun. So is that? Well, I mean, starting once again, we're sitting here at Roberta's, and and you look at Roberta's menu, and they had that same kind of thing, and I like that idea, and we had fun coming up with the names. Uh, it was uh, whenever we'd come up with a new pie in a restaurant, um, I'd throw it out to other people to come up with a good name for it, and uh, that's how you know. That's how we come up with those names. Well, they're, they're, what's most popular? I mean, I was there. I did my solo dining there 
recently, and I got in line at a quarter to five, which was good because I there was a line, <laughs> and I was in in the first seating, and I got my Hellboy pie, um, and it's it's in a good size. That I mean, it's a lot. It, for me, it's a little bigger than a, a single serving portion, but certainly one person can eat the whole thing. And and there's so many amazing choices. That that one I know is popular, right? The, the Hellboy is by far our most popular. It's uh, we had a pie called the Del Boy. It was a pie that uh, I was inspired by Motorino. They had a, a pie with hot supersada on it, a red pie. Uh, he was inspired by Fornino. Uh, he had that same pie. And um, a guy came in one day. Uh, it was very early on, and you know he had heard that I allow people to come in and apprentice and learn how to make pizza. And he told me that he wanted to do that, uh, and we had a discussion, and we set a time to come in. And as I was walking away, his name is Mike Kurtz, by the way, he said, I'm going to bring my condiment with me. I said, condiment? Well, what condiment? You'll see. So he, he came in with a bottle of this Mike's Hot Honey um, that he was making, you know, he had just started making it. He was inspired by a pizzeria, believe it or not, that he was at in the Amazon, where on every table they had a little bit of this honey. He learned how to make it, um, picked their brain, and found out what chili they used. And he was, like, launching this product. And, you know, I, I like to look for people locally who I can help support. I did that with uh, some bacon marmalade that uh, this guy named Ross was um, making. And um, when Mike came in, I, I searched, you know, for a pie that would go well on. And I came up with putting it on the, the Del Boy. And since it was uh, spicy, we called it the Hellboy. Well, it's a fabulous combination and delicious. And, yeah, I could see why it's popular. It's different, you know. It's yeah. a catchy name. I encourage people to, <laughs> I encourage people to get, get it with the honey on the side and try a little bite of it without, too, because the hot supersada we use is absolutely delicious and you know, so yeah. they get to try it both ways. Yeah, well, it's awesome that you walk around the whole restaurant too and get to know your customers. I think that added touch is um, well appreciated, and it's well, just cool. I'm very fortunate because I happen to love doing that. Okay, yeah. um, I'm doing exactly what I used to do at home, as I had said. Uh, I love talking with people, so um, and people really appreciate it. I had no idea how much people were going to appreciate that. I go and you know, if you look at my Yelp reviews, nine out of ten people will mention that I came around and I checked on them. Because think, I mean, how many restaurants or pizzerias do you go to where the owner comes up to you and and wants to get to know them and ask them how their pies are and where are you from? You're 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 special. That's that's why people note it. Well, I'm, I'm glad that they do. I'm glad they appreciate it. And, and every once in a while, you know, there's somebody who just wishes you go away, and I make sure I, okay. I do that. Well, on that note, we will go away for a moment, take a little break here. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
Hey, what's up? This is Jack Inslee, the executive producer of Heritage Radio Network, also the host of Full Service Radio. And I want to talk to you about Brandy. Uh, I was lucky enough to visit Louisville, and we all know Kentucky is whiskey territory. However, the best thing I had to drink was brandy. I got to visit Copper and King's Distillery, and they make pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels, matured with rock and roll. That's right. Sonic aging. They're playing music to the barrels. The stuff is double distilled, non-chill filtered, unadulterated by bois, sugar, or caramel color. And this stuff is feisty, rambunctious, with a long, smooth finish. The stuff isn't made exactly in the style of an international brandy or a cognac. It's more along the lines of an American whiskey. I can really be honest here and tell you, I'm not just reading you an ad, I'm giving you a tip. American brandy, you're not seeing it everywhere. Copper and Kings is doing it incredibly well, and they're cool people. The distillery is full of incredible art. Like I said, they're playing rock and roll to the barrels. So again, Copper and Kings, pure copper, pot distilled, American brandy, aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. That's copperandkings.com. Drink it neat, put it in a cocktail, sub it for your brown spirits, experiment, have fun, get funky. This stuff is awesome. Okay, welcome back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Polly G. We are talking pizza. <laughs> what else? So before before we took a break, you had mentioned these um, new locations that you are opening in or have opened in. I don't. I'm. Well, what is the status, and how did you come to open new places? Well, we just opened up our um, you know our first location like that in in Columbus, Ohio, a couple of weeks ago. What happened was, when I opened a restaurant, I knew I wanted and needed to run it in a way that I had to be there all the time. I happen to enjoy that, so it's good. But uh, I knew that, really, to have the restaurant run properly, you need to be there, okay? So um, things were going very well after a couple of years, and I felt that I wanted to take this and, and, and help it grow somehow. But opening up a second place was totally out of the question because I knew that I couldn't be in two places at once, and, and it would detract from both locations. So I, I was automatically resigned to not doing that, and um, but I wanted to do something. So I knew, you know, I happened to know uh, a friend in Baltimore who was uh, even more of a pizza enthusiast than I was, and he, he was toiling away as a um, as a financial advisor. And I started talking to him about doing something. And I, and I you know, I, I talked to, you know, people about how I could do this. And I decided that that's what I was going to do. I was going to find other people and sort of help them, you know, give them what I've learned. And, you know, and help them open up their own place. I like to call it now like a, a brotherhood of pizza entrepreneurs. If I could find a woman who wants to do this, we'll come up with another name. But that's, <laughs> that's what I'm Brotherhood and sisterhood is... Uh, we'll figure it out. But... Uh, <laughs> And uh, so, I, you know, I, people come to me and ask for advice, you know, and, and I was always very giving with advice about, you know, how to, how to start a place like that. And every once in a while, I'd find somebody in a city that I thought a pool of G's would go well in. And, you know, I'd start talking to them about maybe doing something together. Um, Baltimore was first. Baltimore has been a very long time in coming. A lot of lessons learned there. Um, Columbus, Ohio, it's just been incredible. Uh, it was um, I found a young guy who wanted to do this. 
He got the keys to this place in August, and he could have opened before Christmas if, if he wanted to. He just felt it wasn't the right time. just went very smoothly. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm building these relationships with these people. These people are my friends now, and, and it's great. Um, I have my friend Jason who's going to open in Miami. Um, we're uh, in Miami because that's my hometown. It, it's uh, just above Mimo, if, if you know where Mimo is. I do know where Mimo is. Just above Mimo at 80th Street on Biscayne Boulevard. Uh, and it's a great place. It was an old Chinese restaurant. And Jason's going to leave a lot of the um, the things that he uncovered. Actually, there was a crappy Chinese restaurant. And he tore the walls down and found a really nice Chinese restaurant underneath the walls. And he's leaving a lot of those elements. He's even going to um, use those plastic plates with the Chinese uh, you know, decorations on them. And uh, it's a really great space. Uh, When's that expected to open? We're not doing this anymore. I, I, I don't predict anymore. Uh, yeah, we shouldn't. I, should, it's, I know because we're. It's 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 always delayed. Yeah, it's terrible. It's, it's hard. You're at the, at the mercy of municipalities yeah. and blah blah blah. And um, you know, we'll get there, but it, it's going to be soon. So, with people like Jason, who you met, do they come to Greenpoint? And is there like a training period, or do they just make pizzas until they feel they got it? With each person, it's different. Derek, Derek Tung in Chicago, he had his own mobile pizza business already, so he had a lot of those skills. And and they'll come and and spend a certain amount of time learning the other aspects of the business. Uh, TJ, who's in Columbus, Ohio, he came and worked for me six six days a week for like six months to get everything. So it's different with each person. A couple people, Jason, Jason worked on the uh, floor of the Stock Exchange, uh, and he would come on a Sunday, and he'd learn the daytime stuff, making dough and prepping, and he'd make pizza one or two nights a week, learning those skills, and, you know. And now uh, we're open on Mondays, and it's a great opportunity for me to let these guys come and be me on Monday night so they get to experience that aspect of it as well. Are these guys going to walk around the restaurant and say hi to people? Or you Absolutely. Leave it up to them. I, okay. I, well, I can't <laughs> legislate that, but I think they're, they're yeah. smart enough to know that even if they might be a little uncomfortable with it, they will. Okay. Well, my, my guest last week asked a wonderful question that I'm very curious about the answer. So I had on, it was episode 93, Dana Coteen of Restaurant Reason, and he wants to know, since you're opening locations outside of New York, do you think the water in other cities affects the quality and recipes of your pizza dough? So Dana? I, Dana? It's a guy. His name is Dana. Yeah, Dana's yes. a guy, girl name. We, we have friends, <laughs> Dale and Dana, okay? Okay. This is a couple. And, you know, you probably guess wrong if you guess which one was the guy and which one was the Dale's, girl. But, oh, okay. But, but, yeah, I would. Um, <laughs> Dana, all you need to do is look at the Paulie G. Short North Instagram, and you will see some pizzas that look incredible. If anybody ever says to you that they're importing the water from New York for their pizza, you tell them Paulie G. said they're either born liars or really stupid. Okay. But so do you think that's like a myth of people saying like with New York bagels being like the best bagels are in New York because the water is great here? I don't know about bagels, but probably not. I could tell you about <laughs> pizza. You go look at the pizza that okay. we had coming out of that oven in, in in Columbus, Ohio, and you'll see how gorgeous those pies are. And I can guarantee you they tasted as good as they look. Well, I, I don't know the next time I'm being in Columbus, but I'll certainly try you whenever you're down in Miami. And I know Chicago, I mean, it's 
awesome you're opening in Chicago, too. That's Yeah, know. we're really excited about that. We found a great neighborhood. We looked around at different spots for a while, and, and he was looking at different neighborhoods, and, and, and I knew that Logan Square was the place to be, and we found a great spot there, and he's starting to uh, demolish it now as we speak. If anybody wants some, some really nice 12-inch plates, we've got a whole bunch of them. Okay, just uh, email me at uh, info at paulieg.com, and uh, we'll make a deal. All right. So at the beginning of the show, you said that, you know, leaving your career and going into the restaurant business seemed like it was going to be too hard or, you know, running a restaurant. So now that you have been doing this and I mean, you're make in my opinion, you make it look easy. But is it is it easier than you thought or are you just good at it? It is easier <laughs> than I thought. It, it, I I feel like I haven't worked in like six years it, beyond my wildest dreams. I just enjoy I don't know about good at it. I just enjoy doing what I'm doing. Are there things that stress me out? Damn right there are. But when they come my way, I'm solving those problems for myself. It's not like, oh, I got to do this. I got to worry about how my boss, you know, views how I solved it or whatever. It's just I'm getting things done because I know it's on my shoulders. And it's I don't mind, you know, when somebody quits and I got to figure out, you know, how to replace them and everything. I don't mind. And it's just it's just uh, I'm living a dream. I really am, you know, and I have a family that now, you know, for years I toiled and I spent more money than I should have so I could, you know, keep them relatively happy. And, you know, I have a wonderful wife. She believed in me forever. And, you know, I had to, I had to, you know, thank her for believing in me. And, you know, and I also have children that um, I had to show that you could, you you know, take risks and, and those things will pay in life. And, you know, now I got to show them that. It's wonderful, and they've been involved too. I mean, when I was there, your wife was was at the restaurant. I mean, she she helps you out. Yeah, she does. She um, she keeps things straight, and you know, Mrs. Clean, I call her, and uh, <laughs> she's great with events, and uh, she's been very helpful. My son, uh, my younger son Derek, w- uh, helped me for a year. He was like my main pizza maker for the first year, and I, you know, thank God he was there for me. And my older son. He took some cold, hard cash that that he had gotten on an interest-free loan from the Air Force because he was at the Air Force Academy at the time. And he invested in the restaurant. And he also invested in the company that's, you know, uh, helping open up these other places now, too. Excellent. Okay, we're going to take another break, come back, and we're going to do my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network.
welcome back. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'm here with Polly G. It's time for my speed round game. So, Polly, what this is, is I'm going to name a couple of things, like an either-or situation, and you just pick your preference. You're looking at me. You'll get it. It's easy. You'll get it. You'll be good. Here we go. Eat in or eat out? Yes. (laughs) Yes, indeed. How about wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Mocktail. Coffee. Coffee. Okay. Tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Communal counter. Communal Communal. table. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Sicilian square or Chicago deep dish? Sicilian square. Mm -hmm. Although I love Lou Malnati's. (laughs) Give the shout out. Roberta's or Motorino? Yes. Yeah, that was a tough one. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. This is an easy one for you, I think. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Brooklyn. Yeah, I thought you'd say that. No problem. What's the hat you're wearing there, Angelo's? Angelo's Pie in the Sky. Uh, Angelo had a pizzeria around the corner from where we're opening in, in Hamden in Baltimore. And he lost his lease. He had to leave. And somehow he found this space on the roof of a senior citizen apartment building on the other side of Hamden. It is on the top of a 20-story building. He has views of all of Baltimore, and he got like a Baker's Pride pizza oven in there, making pizza, and it's it's just an awesome place. He's a great guy. Um, okay. And I just, I love the place. I love the hat. It's a good-looking hat. And, uh, you know. Well, I, I've seen you uh, when I was at, at Polly G's walking around with your Roberta's hat. I mean, I love the support you have for the pizza places that you adore. Well, you know? that, that's very important to me. I like, you know, I you are not allowed to wear Polly G's stuff in Polly G's. The, the staff cannot do that. I like to wear other people's hats. I get shirts from other pizzerias and give it to the staff to wear. Uh, I like to let people know that it, first and foremost, it's all about the pizza. I wear, you know, hats from different pizzerias every night. Cool. Okay, so industry news. I had an article in The Atlantic, In Defense of Instagramming Your Food by Megan Garber. So she's talking about how Instagram has become so popular and how on Bravo TV's Top Chef this last week, their one of their challenges was uh, an Instagram challenge where uh, the, the contestants or the chef testants or... Chef Testants, yeah, that's what they call them. Um, They had to create dishes using an array of junk food to make dishes that were beautifully photographed. And then they had voters on Instagram um, uh, check out the photos and whoever got the most likes won the challenge. So it was just talking about this, how Instagram has just grown in this whole, you know, um, I guess it's, it's, you know, uh, the relationship between food and social media, how it's just become a big thing. Um, What's your take on social media? Well, and food. Uh, to me, it's absolutely critical. Uh, I, I love to use Instagram to show people that, first and foremost, it's all about not only just eating pizza, but, but really having a love for food. I get to do that on Instagram. I get to show people, you know, different stuff that I do, too. Yesterday, I saw somebody riding down uh, the street on a, a three-wheel bicycle with this, this ca- cabinet on the back 
for dry cleaning. I thought it was really interesting. So I put that out there. But most importantly, it gives me the opportunity to show people um, that not only do I, you know, I love my food, I love, you know, other people's food. The, the, the hate part of it is when people come into my restaurant, and, and I know my restaurant's very dark, and I understand, but they take pictures of some of my pizzas, and what that flash does was it looks like they just opened somebody, it looks like something on the nick, where they opened somebody up and operated on them because of this, this harsh, horrible flash. I just wish that, you know, they didn't do that. But yeah. Instagram, to me, uh, I just absolutely love it. No, it's, it's, it's true. Your ambiance is challenging for Instagrammers just because it is dark and it's it's a wonderful ambiance. But it's, it's I don't know, nowadays I feel like I go to restaurants and I, I feel like the lighting is purposely being being done now because they know everyone's taking pictures of their food. Um that's but uh, yeah, no, I I I I I enjoy your setting. I just think, uh, yeah, and the flash on food just doesn't work. It just does not make it look great. So it is what it is. Well, I'm gonna, I'll keep on encouraging people to take pictures, but um, or you know the trick of of having someone else's uh, light like hold up their flashlight with a napkin over it. No, I didn't know that. Oh, I have to. This it's an it's annoying. It takes time a bit, but if you have your friend with their phone hold up their flash and put a napkin over it, it's like dims the the light, softens but it, the light. it softens it. Okay. Yeah, and then you take a photo. It's annoying if you both want a, the light up and then to switch taking pictures. You become those annoying Instagram well, people. But I, I don't know how to do it with <laughs> a um, with a, an Android, but with an iPhone now. Like I, a lot of people, I want to take pictures together with me. And, you know, I like I like to have that picture. I have a whole collection of them. So I have them uh, give me the phone after they take the picture. I, I tell them not to use a flash. And you can lighten the picture up in the iPhone so easily. So, yeah. Well, you you're know. good at it. So, Okay, another article I had, and it's not a very happy subject, but I came out this week and I thought it was important. It's in the New York Times, an article, The Death of Star of star swiss chef underscores the profession's stress by kim severson and it was it was really sad awful news this week how this chef benoit voliere who's 44 years old a swiss chef um who's received the highest ranking from this new list of la list it's called and he's a michelin star restaurant one of the finest restaurants in the world um he committed suicide and um, I, I think there's, you know, suicide is a very complex and deeply rooted subject. And I don't want to, you know, go too into it. And, the, you know, the reasons why he committed suicide, I have no idea. But this article is talking about the pressures of the industry. And it's come up before. And Kat Kinsman, I know, um, she's a food writer and editor at large at Tasting Table. She's recently launched a website called Chefs with Issues. And she's you know, reaching out to people and trying to get resources out there and hear their stories just about being a chef or working in this industry and the stress of it and um, something that I think um, I think what she's doing is great. And it's, um, I don't know, it's sad when these news come out, you know. It's very sad. I read that article. And I don't know why, you know, there are many things in people's lives that may drive them to something like that. But... In that particular case, and I don't think there's a correlation, uh, I can't say there is, they said that he 
was just voted the best restaurant in the world. Mm-hmm. Where the hell do you go from there? Well, you know, it, it, when you know when, when the best you possibly could do is the least that's expected of you. That life has to be a little tough. So you know, it's just that's. Yeah, I I don't know. I didn't. I'm not. I wasn't familiar with him, but I did see it on. On you know on my Facebook page, lots of people in the industry, you know, did know him or just you know respect and it's um, it's sad. It's well, just, well here's, you know? here's another thing you don't know. I happened to finally find something that was really perfect for me. It really is. Maybe like I chose an IT career and did that for thirty years. Maybe he chose a career that wasn't right for him. True. I mean, there's there's pressure and stress in lots of industries and I and jobs that might seem people think they're going to love and they don't or I don't know the reasons behind it but um, I, I don't know if people are interested in seeing what Kat Kinsman has, has going on check out her website chefswithissues.com because I think she's I think she's uh, you know providing a good resource for people and just trying to get the, the dialogue out there of, the of what it's like because sometimes you know people don't have anyone to talk to and it can be tough to work in a kitchen and that have that pressure you know, it's a lot of pressure. So, anyways, on that note, we are going to take one more break and come back. I'm gonna do my solo dining experience. So, stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. And this one's called "Gwiz" by my friend Nair and Tennille. Uh We'll be right back on all in the industry. to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience, which this week is at Lalia. Here's the rundown. Location, 567 Union Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. The concept. It's a brand new restaurant bringing the best of Italy to Williamsburg, featuring wood-fired seafood, handcrafted pastas, classic Italian cocktails. The head chef and owner, Missy Robbins who found her Italian soul at Spiaggia in Chicago. She was then executive chef at both Avoce locations in New York City, and she's been consulting for the past few years. Why did I go? Because I'm a fan and friend of Missy's. My experience. So I stopped by last Wednesday around 8.30 p.m., and the place was happening. Lucky for me, there was one available seat at the bar facing toward the open kitchen. Now, I love the industrial chic space with its high ceilings, whitewashed walls, iron casement windows, and it had great lighting. 
I spotted Missy in the pass, which was on a nice sleek angle. I really liked the design. And I went over to say hi. Very happy for her. She seemed happy herself, which was nice. She hasn't been in a kitchen in a couple of years. What did I get? Well, everything looked fantastic. I went with the roasted squash with Parmigiano and pine nuts and brown butter. And then I had a pasta of sheep's milk cheese filled with agnolotti. It had saffron, dried tomato, and honey. Missy also sent out cacaccia e pepe fratelli. And I made friends with the couple sitting next to me, and we shared our dishes. So I tried their parpadelli with veal bolognese, and that was fun. My take. Everything was packed with flavor and delicious. I would say that agnolotti is a must-order. The scene, it was a neighborhood crowd, had good energy, perfect for Italian cravings. Interesting tidbit, the space was originally an auto body shop. Missy was sold on it as soon as her business partner, Matt Kleidmink of The Smile, showed it to her. Another interesting tidbit, my past guest, Jono Pandolfi, has designed her ceramic plateware. Personal fun fact, Missy and I know each other from my family's Syracuse connection, so go orange. The cost, $34, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Absolutely. Website, lilianeyork.com. What you think, Polly? You want to oh, go to Lilia? I absolutely do. <laughs> Got to put that on my list. Not too far from, from you. Where is it? It's in Williamsburg. Um, I guess it's the east, east north, <laughs> northeast. I'll get there. I, I, I hadn't been to uh, yeah it's 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 uh, the neighborhood over there is really developing uh there's i was i think it's a cool place happening happening hood okay it's time for the final question next week my guest is bruce bronster he is a law partner at windles marks he focuses on hospitality and restaurants one of his clients is pat lafrida so what what do you want to ask him polly can be anything I want to know what his favorite burger is, since he um, he works with Pat Lafrida. Okay. I know where my favorite burger is, and it's made with Pat Lafrida uh, beef. So. I think you mentioned that earlier before we were on the air. Is that Mineta? It is the Mineta Tavern. Okay. Black Label Burger. Don't get the Mineta Burger. Yeah, I've had it once. It is it is a a fine burger. Put those put those caramelized onions on the side. The, the burger doesn't need it. <laughs> oh, so you're remaking the best. Your favorite burger isn't even, it's like your own rendition of their burger is your favorite burger. No, I'm just saying to <laughs> put the caramelized onions on the side. It doesn't need it. You can eat them separately. They're okay. delicious. But you want to taste that burger all by itself. Okay, excellent. Now, now I have to go back there and check it out again. So that's the show, Polly. Well, thank you very much for having me. I, I know that uh, I let you know that it would be a great honor if you had me on the show, and I'm glad that I said that to you because uh, th this full circle thing is great, being that you were at one of my pizza tastings at home. Yes, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm really glad you came on the show and that I know you, and I've, I've seen your success and your whole, I know the whole story. I feel I've been a part of it. And yeah, if you want to, if you want a third to leave this job at any point and do my PR, let me know because I, I could use as, you know, as much press as you've gotten. <laughs> I don't think you need it. I think you're doing fine on your own. Okay. Thank you. So my guest today has been Polly G of Polly G's. His website is polyg.com and you can follow him on social media at Polly G. 
And he used to always call me Sherry B. Remember that? Sherry B. Still do. (laughs) And you can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. Check out my Facebook page, All in the Industry, and my websites, BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. You can find all of our shows at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. You can listen to our shows anywhere, anytime. And thanks to my engineer, Jack, today. Wonderful to see you. And thanks again to Polly. And to everyone out there listening, I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next Wednesday with another live show. Till then, have a great week. Thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Everybody